welcoming to Parenting with the Pros and Cons. I'm Dr. Molly. And I'm Chintzia Filipovsky. And today we'll be discussing, can you spoil your infant? First, a little bit about us. I'm Chintzia, and I'm a certified positive discipline educator. I work full time. I have twin boys that are five years old that keep me very busy. And I am just a parent in the trenches like the rest of you. And hopefully we'll be able to give each other some ideas and move along on this road to watching our children become adults. Great. I'm Dr. Molly. I'm a pediatrician. I've been in practice for about 30 years and I've helped families raise their kids for all that time while I was raising my own. I have four kids who are young adults now. I've also been involved with the American Academy of Pediatrics. I've been a journal editor and a national speaker for them. I've also written and talked about all sorts of parenting topics. I'm also a parent coach and a teen coach. So let's get into it. Can you spoil your infant? This is a question I've been asked billions of times over the years. And I thought it would be, we both thought it would be a great topic for today. Chinsia, you've got a beautiful scenario to get us started off. So yes, let's this get is at one, it. I think, one that I think many of us have lived through. Um, you, you have a baby, a beautiful new baby who's about a one month old. And you've just fed the baby. You've changed their diaper. And you've just put them down to sleep. And they're sleeping. So you decide this is a great time to catch a few uh, Z's myself and catch up on some rest. So you're just about to sit down and take a little nap yourself and wah, baby <laughs> is crying. And you just take a deep breath. You get up and you think, I'm just going to go grab my baby. So you walk that way and your mother-in-law happens to be over who stops you and says, what are you doing? You can't go every time the baby cries. You're going to spoil the baby. What do you do? Well, this is what something that I do you do? This yes. is a real life scenario. <laughs> yes. Been there. I bet we've all been there in one way or another. It may not have been our mother-in-law. might have been our mother. Could have been our husband. Could have yes. been our own little, little selves in our mind's eye telling us that same, asking us that same question. But it, it's a question every parent asks or, or wonders yes. about, right? Can you spoil your baby? So this is, there's a lot of pros and cons on this one. So what do you think, Chance? What are your thoughts? I think it depends on the age of the baby. Um, mm. You know, I think that the younger infant baby, you cannot spoil them too much. You, those first few months of life, you just want to, you know, give them as much love and they need it. And I think that you can't spoil a baby when they're just a newborn. Um, but I do think as a baby gets older, um, that there is some possibility of uh, creating habits, I'll say, that um, can lead to uh, some issues maybe. And it all depends, I think, uh, on your lifestyle. It depends on how you want to parent. And it also depends on what your schedule is. Um, and I think all of those things play into this. How about you, Dr. Yeah. Molly? Well, I think the word spoil is such a heavily charged word, and it definitely engenders strong feelings. Like, nobody wants to spoil their child, okay? Like, who starts out parenting as like, ooh, I'm going to be the parent who spoils their child? No one ever, right? So whether you go and get that child who's crying at one month of age or not, you, you I think looking at it through that lens 
is the wrong lens to be putting on to look at it, right? And I love the way you started out the conversation, Chinsia, because it's a it's really about are you attending to that child to meet their needs or your needs? Because if that child needs something, if that cry is indicating that they need something, well, you can't possibly spoil that infant then, right? They need something. They need their diaper changed. They need to be fed. They, you know, uh, are, they spit up and they, they need to be cleaned up. But if you're, a, if you're tending to that child because that cry upsets you and hearing that cry makes you uncomfortable, but the child really doesn't need anything, then you might be getting into a bad habit, which is exactly the word I love that you used. Because it's really not about spoiling the child, it's about getting into a bad habit. So, you know, that's really how I, that's the lens I like to apply is, if you're meeting a child's need, no problem. You can't spoil a child. But if you're meeting your need, it could be a problem. You need to take that little pause and ask right, yourself. Right, and try to figure it yeah. out. Are, you know, are you, you know, whose need are you meeting in this transaction here? And, right. uh, and I think that's true, like, throughout that whole, throughout life, right? Life, exactly. <laughs> like, whose need say, are the we lifetime meeting, right? of your child. Right, exactly. Yeah. Whose need and are sometimes meeting, you just right? say it. Sometimes it's you decide, need, I don't care, I want to right. do it. That's exactly. Right. I might be meeting my yes. need, but at least I realize that and I'm yes. willing to accept that truth and yes. that's fine. Sure, for yes. sure. But yeah. I just think as, you know, when a, when a baby is a newborn, there's so many things going on and you are trying to just acclimate yourself to the whole idea of being a parent if you're a first-time parent or even if you're not a first-time parent. There's a new being in your home that you are all adjusting to. So I think those first few months, it's just, you're trying to survive, quite honestly. It's a crap and, show. You, know? you don't know what you're doing. And no. the kid doesn't know what they're doing yet, no. this baby. And you're figuring each other out. It's a relationship. Correct. It's like It's Correct. like early dating. Like, yes. you don't know, oh, yeah. like, you know, does this guy yes. or this woman that you're dating, yes. does she really like sports or does she really only like them because you mentioned sports once? You know what I mean? Like, you're of, still figuring it out. And it's not quite dating. It's dating with um, a commitment that you can't go back on. So right. it's kind of like, right. it's, it's kind like of arranged like, marriage. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I will grow to love this habit or I won't. I'll deal with it. That's um, right. But I think it's, it is, it is important to, to, um, you know, try to think about it in those ways. And I think those first few weeks of your child's life, you can't think about it. It just is what it is. So if you need to grab your kid and calm them down and quiet them, um, I know, uh, as I mentioned, I have twin boys. I know when my babies were, you know, newborn babies, oftentimes it was, they also have a need to just feel close to their mother sometimes. Um, anyone could try to hold them and they would be still, they would still be crying, screaming. And if I just held them up against my chest and they heard my heartbeat, they stopped. And I think that's just, that's a need in those early days. Um, so I think that we need to think about that too. Um, and we shouldn't, um, we sh you know, we don't always have to judge everything harshly um, as being important and not important. Um, again, it's your 
lifestyle, your habit that you are creating um, um, or your child's habit. And it comes down to what can you live with um, and what won't you be able to live with. And sometimes we can't, we don't have the energy to think too far ahead and that's okay. Um, but once your baby is a few months old, I think you should be thinking ahead a little bit um, because as your child becomes four, five, six months old, you are going to be creating some habits um, and it's going to be a little bit more difficult to change those. And I'm sure Dr. Molly can attest that those habits then become parents that are just sleep deprived or are just frustrated because they don't know how to get their child on some sort of sleep schedule or, um, you know, things of that, that nature. Um, and I, I'm sure they come into your office, Dr. Molly, and they're crying and frustrating and the, frustrated and they just don't know what to do at that point. So I think at well, those ages, we too, need to start thinking about it. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I do think in the first couple of months of life, it really is just a hot mess. And you're, you're as a, as a mother, at least you're still recovering from the experience of giving birth. And even a parent who's adopted a child is still adapting to the huge sea change of having this new baby in the household. So I think, you know, the first two months, it's a gimme. You, you just do what you need to do to learn that child's cues Beyond that yes. point, though, and and get yourself adapted to yes. to the routine of having an infant in the Once household. Once you can shower again and you're on some sort of regular <laughs> meal schedule of your own, then you can start thinking about these right. other things. Exactly. You know? Right. I think, though, what can happen, or and, and this is when it gets a little bit tricky, is that by responding to every cry, you you it, it can get tricky to discern what do different cries mean. And especially for a parent whose response to most cries, who responds to most cries with feeding, doesn't necessarily have to be nursing, but it could be with bottle feeding, who responds to most cries with food, it really gets tricky. So, uh, you know, because not all cries mean hunger. Some cries mean tired. Some cries mean, you know, my diaper's not right. And some cries mean I just want to be held and, you know, and trying to figure out what all those different cries mean can be challenging. And if you end up creating a pattern of responding to all cries with similar responses, you really dull yourself to listening, to learn what the baby's trying to communicate to you. So I do agree with you that by I don't know, two to three months, somewhere in there. Um, you know, if a natural progression towards sleep patterns isn't happening organically, if the baby isn't naturally moving towards some sort of patterned sleep, that it may be time, if you're ready to talk about it, to talk about it with your pediatrician or to, with a with a sleep coach or something in order to help understand better what is your child communicating so that getting on some sort of sleep schedule and really it's getting on a feeding schedule because that really is what causes the sleep to get in line might be a good idea. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that I learned as a parent um, early on was just that listening to your baby. If you take a moment and don't jump up when the baby starts to cry, um, you'll start to see that babies sometimes just make sounds that sound like they're about to cry, but they're not necessarily about to cry. 
Um, and that would happen a lot when they're, you know, first adjusting to sleeping or doing different things. You know, I, you know, it's kind of like comparing to a, a new puppy, you know, that does that, that whining, that, that cry, that whining sound. If you just let them be for a minute, they stop. And sometimes the babies are doing the same thing and they're sleeping and making this sound. So they're not even consciously doing it. Um, and if we just let them be, um, they kind of go right back to sleep. They're already still sleeping sometimes. Um, so I can see how if we run and, and um, try to grab them or do different things, um, we do start to create habits. Um, so I think that that's the first step is just sometimes counting to 10 before you actually approach your child might be a good strategy um, because then you can see, is this going to be a real cry or is this just, they just pass gas. I mean, quite honestly, you don't even know, right? <laughs> right. So I think that those are the, the types of things. Um, and I know well, that I the d- schedule... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say that I do think that parents um, have been done a disservice with baby monitors because every Mm -hmm. single sound is amplified. And the assumption is that babies are like parents are an edge, you know, and the assumption sort of is, is that that it's not safe to not use the monitor. And so there, the assumption is that something bad could happen at any time. So I need to use the monitor. So anytime a sound occurs, it needs right. to be attended to. need to look to. at it. Right. There's it. something or listen to it, whatever, like the looking even Correct. just don't even get me started on all that. But yes. um, so I almost really wish you know, in my perfect world, we would go back to the age, unless you live in some giant mansion. And if you do, I'd like to get to know you better. But, right. um, you know, I wish we could go back to an age of no monitors. I'll bring because, the wine. Right, exactly. <laughs> because I'm not sure that monitors are doing parents any no. favors. It I think a great it undermines, plan. Right. It undermines confidence. It decreases a sense of independence and, you know, like, oh yeah, my baby's fine. It really gives them this anxious sense about their babies. And babies aren't quiet. You know, they're just not quiet. I think that, you know, they're, they're trying to regulate their own bodies. They're all kinds of things are happening. Imagine coming out into this new world. What a harsh reality they're coming (laughs) to terms with, you know? So um, the idea that they're just, they're supposed to be quiet is some false idea. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, and as far as the schedule, um, I think that that's, that's a topic that we'll talk about and at a different time, cause it, it can take its own, own whole, uh, you know, time period to go over. But I think that, um, as new parents, you should be thinking about what is your lifestyle going to be? What are your expectations for your child? Um, cause I do think as well that we have kind of been guilted into this idea that, children that we need to adjust our lives totally and completely to adjust to a new baby versus also helping that baby adjust to their new world in our lives as they are. Obviously, we have to make adjustments, but not to have some sort of compromising schedule or adjustment is just not necessarily realistic um, because I think that we then lose ourselves as people, um, as mothers, uh, you know, and, and it, it is a detriment later on. Um, you know, if we could go backwards, we could see all the little steps we took that um, led us to a very frustrating 10-month-old baby that's not sleeping through the night or, um, you know, different scenarios. Uh, so I do think that 
just kind of being aware of that at the beginning um, after those, like we talked about, first few weeks. Yeah, um, I think some working mothers, I know I was uh, one of them and you are one of them as well, you know, have this, this kind of mountain of, I don't know if it's all, if it's all guilt, but it's, there are a lot of feelings, you know, like a lot of feelings. And uh, I think what can happen uh, is that you're, you're disconnected from your child throughout the day, whether you're at home working or whether you're at, at an office working and you come home and, you know, you, you don't want to, um, you know, set limits in the same way. You don't necessarily want to, uh, if your child cries. So in the early months, you know, I see, you know, up until six months of age and maybe even beyond that for, for some working mothers, they feel like if their child cries or is upset or, you know, gives any sort of noisy noise, um, they feel very strongly that they want to attend to that period all night long, no matter what, because they feel so strongly that they are either kind of missing out or they, you know, they feel like, I'm, I'm not sure um, exactly what the feelings are, but it isn't necessarily a healthy engagement with their child. And as you point out, Chinsia, I think beautifully that um, the baby isn't, that's not necessarily a good thing for anybody. Right. Um, it, again, it's, it, it gets into that question of whose needs are we meeting? And that puts that lens of spoiling, which I hate that word because it's not a good word. Um, but if you are getting up in the middle of the night to meet your need because you feel like I've been away from my child all day, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not quite right because your six month old, for example, doesn't really need to eat during the night anymore you know, and you've created a habit of it that is actually yes. not as healthy. So we will talk about scheduling. We will talk about, you know, yes. sleeping through the night in future podcast episodes. But I really do think, Chinsia, you've really touched on a couple of things today, which we'll, we'll talk about more, which is how your parenting style affects your decisions around all kinds of things. And you have to be comfortable in your own skin as a parent, right? And also, we'll talk more about, about scheduling and, and who, what sort of schedule fits your parenting style. And you don't have to lose yourself in the process. I think right. that's the other part of it. Um, I do think that, as you, know, as you've touched upon, Dr. Molly, I think as women especially, um, I don't think men um, feel it as much. Um, the working father doesn't feel it as much as the working mother. I think it's just because it's just how we're wired. Um, but I, I know that, that that feeling of you're not 100% in any one part of your life. So you're not giving your kid 100% of yourself. You're not giving your work 100% of yourself. So there is this, it's, it's more than just guilt, as you pointed out. It's, it's, a, it's just not a good feeling at all. And I think that we have to start allowing each other as women, as mothers, we have to allow each other to not have to meet a certain expectation. Um, who's setting that expectation? You know, we've been, we've been existing for thousands of years and moms have done it for thousands of years. There, maybe they weren't working in the sense that we're working today, but moms worked on farms. 
they did all kinds of things. And that, that baby came along with the mom. And that baby adjusted to what was needed by that family. And I think that we have lost that in our today's standards. We've, you know, we're not good parents if we're not um, making changes um, to adjust to our children. And, um, you know, I think that children are the center of our lives, but I think that we do a disservice to them if they, we make them feel like they're the center of the world. Um, and oh, that's I love not, that. I don't, that's a beautiful statement. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I, I just I just think that that's something that I have thought a lot about as a parent. Um, I don't want them to grow up that way because that is a disservice to them. Um, well, so I, also, I think it all starts in infancy. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also think that what we've replaced, you know, in having children integrate in, I think that there have been a lot of advances in parenting that have been favorable for the yes, relationship between sure. parents and children. So it's not like either one of us wants to go back to the whatever age, Absolutely not. you know, right. not at all, not right. at all. But I think there are things from the old days that are valuable for us to reflect on and not just throw away. Because in today's world of parenting, every parent is burdened with this sense of perfection. There's a lot of anxiety around parenting. And as a result, um, there is also this sense of, uh, you know, doing everything just right in order to have somehow, I feel like that that the goal or the, the outcome, it's an outcomes-oriented parenting so that if I do all these things exactly right, I'm going to have this specific outcome. When really, parenting is about a relationship with a child. The, yes. the child is, is, is ultimately going to be whoever they're going to be. And frankly, no offense, parents, you have very little to say about your child's right. long-term, out, you know, their outcome in the sense of who are they going to be. Having raised four kids to adulthood, I can guarantee you that truth. But what you can do is you can, you can either create a good relationship with your child, you can, and enjoy that process or not, right? That's really Absolutely. what we're talking about. So Absolutely. back to the topic of can you spoil your infant? The answer is we'd rather not talk about it in the sense of spoiling, but you can create habits that are put in place because you're meeting your own needs rather than your infant's needs. And meeting your own needs is not going to be the most healthy way to begin developing that relationship with your child. So in any relationship, especially one that is going to be lifelong and is going to be as enriching as your parent-child relationship, especially since you're the parent, building that relationship initially on meeting your child's needs primarily is the most important thing. So as you explore, you know, how you're responding to your infant, I think it is important to think about whose needs am I meeting? And whose needs am I, you know, thinking about in this moment? And it absolutely doesn't mean that you never put your needs first in that relationship because you do in all your relationships at times. But on balance, you should be looking to meet your child's needs first. And when those needs are in conflict, your child's needs should win more often than yours. And that's, I think, how we feel the, the question of, can I spoil my child, is best resolved. Absolutely. So wrapping it up that. today, you know, I think we've, we've tried to give you a framework for thinking about, can you spoil your infant? And oh, I hope you found it valuable. Um, and if you do, it's okay to a certain extent. That's absolutely. That's message. meeting your That's needs right. sometimes. Yeah. That's right. And we all do that That's sometimes right. for sure. 
Um, and uh, so, Chintzia, where can folks learn more about about our parenting with the you pros can and go cons. to our website. Uh, it's parentingwiththeprosandcons.com. Great. And you can uh, check out our other podcasts and you can uh, contact us and Dr. Molly. Where would yeah, you and I've got a website you? too. Um, I've got a website, drmollyoshea.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram. It's Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R, all spelled out. Dr. Molly O'Shea is my handle on Instagram. So uh, we really do enjoy, you know, sharing with you. Please let us know if there are topics you'd like to hear about, things you yes, want us to yes. address. We would love to hear from you. And uh, we will... Um, and whatever feedback you have, we'd love yeah. to hear what, what yeah. you guys like or don't like. And, um, you know, if you tried some of our tips and how you did with them, you know, we right. definitely want to hear about it. Give us it. all the details. All right. Until next time, this is Dr. Molly. Yeah.